Hey everyone, it's Lindsay. I just wanted to get on here and make a quick announcement about what you're about to hear. As you've heard rumored, Steve Barnes and I had decided to do a big wrap up of 1899. We were going to go over the show is the big picture and all the things we liked about it, our favorite characters. We had such a great time that we ended up talking for over three hours about 1899. And in order to make it a little bit easier on you, the viewer or listener, we've decided to break that wrap up into two parts. In part one, we'll go through the making of 1899 and also our rewatch notes as we went through and watched it in a quicker pace than we did during the recap episodes where we watched episodes every one or two weeks so we'll go through those notes and our general thoughts about the show and just sort of introductory stuff and then in part two we get into our favorite characters who we'd want to have a beer with our favorite moments of the show what we thought was coming next and talk about Bo and Yancha's future projects and about our future as collaborative partners working on a dark recap coming up next. We hope you'll listen to both parts, but just know that there is a part one and a part two of this 1899 wrap up. Thanks so much for listening and we hope you enjoy the show. Well, I'm ready to talk about our superlatives now, if you are. Oh, of course. I want to give them the rewards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the first thing we want to talk about is our MVP characters, our top two or three characters. Who do we right. really want to shout out as being the the characters that made our day when they showed up on screen? How about the maker of the simulation itself? Maura, come on down, Maura Franklin. <laughs> I mean, she's definitely my favorite. I mean, that's, I mean, if you're going to ask me later who I want to hang out with, I might say Maura because, I mean, I just, she's the creator of it all. She's the protagonist. Maybe she's the antagonist. Um, I think it goes without saying she's a lead character. Do you disagree with that? She's the lead character of the show. And well, of course. <laughs> <laughs> she's real she's a very interesting person but i don't trust her i don't trust her and i i you know um mm -hmm. so she's she's definitely somebody who was interesting and you got more she got more interesting and complex as as you as you went along but i don't know if she sometimes when you have the main character they don't end up becoming your favorite because yeah. you're almost in their perspective so you almost are that character sure that makes sense yeah so who but would you're you say also is... a guy you're What's also a guy uh, you know you're a guy and so it's like you know you like virginia you like mara anthony uh -huh. would do the same thing you know i'd be like talking about ike and he'd be like well i really like mara and i'm like well okay <laughs> <laughs> well guess who's like number uh, everybody else is is men in my group I, no actually there's two women in my group i have a i've wrote a bunch i've wrote down six characters as my mvps my top two is actually six but i more, knew i couldn't control you steve you got yeah. like six characters written down but mora came out on top i definitely ranked her number one and i have a character ranked at number two that i have a strong feeling is your number one so tell me who is your number one or who you think is top 
Well, it's tough, but I, I feel like my number one character is going to have to be Jerome. Yes, that's what I thought you were going to say. I love Jerome, too. I mean, if we we didn't already love Jan Gall, we we uh, we got to fall in love with him even more because he was responding to us on Instagram and we're like, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's answering us. Like I said, that was a moment in time I'll never forget. I mean, he was awesome. <laughs> um. But his character is definitely the one that he just, whenever he came on screen, he just stole your attention away. He, uh, everybody loves, I would say everybody loves an underdog. And he's, while he's not, he's not necessarily a definite underdog, you know, he's risk, he goes through a lot of mistreatment during yeah. this show. I would say he was Especially from yeah. Franz. Our sauce boss, as you yeah, like to call him. I do. Guys, if you haven't watched Sweet Travel Time, they have a nickname for almost everybody on the show. So not for Mara. There was no Mara nickname. but um... Or Jerome. Jerome was straight up Jerome. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He was always a class act. Like when he mm -hmm. faced adversity um, and when there was a quick decision to be made, he always made the, the honorable right decision. I mean... He was such a good character that our boy Nate was suspicious. If Nate was here right now, he would tell you he's suspicious of Jerome and Olick because those two guys are too good and they're too honorable and they're, he just doesn't trust how good and honorable they are. Even back in the day before they were on the boat, when he was hanging with his buddy um, Lucian and they were starving to death and everything, he still wanted to do the right thing, even if it you know, cost him starving. So... Mm -hmm. He was a tough one to not put at my top, but because I, I thought about it. Um, yeah. but well, Bo and Yantia do really like to set up those ambiguous characters, so usually everybody who seems perfect, you do find out at least one thing that's a flaw, and then if right. they seem like irredeemable, they're going to show you something that is good about that person. And um, so I'm fairly confident maybe we would have found out something from Jerome's past and Oleg's past that maybe wasn't so great. And that's not, that's not always true. I think there was one character in dark that did remain spotless <laughs> the whole time, but for the most part, they like, they like to be in the gray yeah. and, but Jerome was always, like you said, he always had a lot of empathy, even at the end when Lucian is, not doing well he can't help himself but be concerned about his friend yeah and to be there for him even after a terrible betrayal um but also he was a great fighter and he didn't you know he could have uh really tried to spark on clements and he didn't he, you know <laughs> he he was he was an honorable man yeah and um yeah, he was definitely an interesting character coming, you know, his entrance is one of the most interesting of all coming from the shadows and just, we aren't really sure where, where he came from and why his entrance is different than everybody else's. Yeah. Um, we would have found that out and eventually we would have found out he was a boxer because that's what the promotional material said is that he was a, a French boxer. So that's mm -hmm. why he could fight so well, I guess, being in the military and then also having that, that fighting training. So he knew how to handle six big, tough dudes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, he did. 
And I feel like there was even, I've even seen scenes that didn't, you know, they didn't take place, but I feel like I've seen photo stills of Jerome in a boxing ring that never came to be. So there might've mm -hmm. been things that they even filmed that we never got to see. Um, but yeah, he was probably my favorite character. So did you have other top ones you wanted to shout out, Steve? Yeah, well, I guess, well, I said, I've already said my favorite one too. So mm -hmm. I think it's your turn actually to bring another character into the fold, unless your second character is Mora, which I have a feeling it's not. So do you yeah. have a, a number two or a it's number not. three? I think bring in here? another character I want to shout out would be Olek, you know, Jerome's buddy. Yeah. Olek probably has one of my favorite moments in the show of anybody. And it's when Franz starts the rebellion down in the cafeteria. Okay. The third yes. class. And, uh, you know, Jerome just, uh, sorry, Olek just kind of gets up and tries to be as still as possible <laughs> and dip out the door without anybody noticing him. And of course he doesn't make it, but that scene always cracks me up. It's just his face <laughs> is so funny. Um, but, I, you know, he's another person that in a very tense situation remained calm and cool and really didn't let anything fluster him. I don't think I ever the only time he lost his temper is when he was trying to get Ike to, you know, Ike had asked him to do this mission to find out how much coal and he had done that and i think he hoped maybe that would put him in ike's confidence and he would talk to him but i yeah. was not and so he swears out in the hallway and punches the wall but yeah that's one of those tough guy moves yep but yeah that was it um it, and it's normal to be frustrated by something like that um so yeah i think i think nate was most suspicious of olick um, something coming out, especially, you know, we got that black oil all over him. So we don't know if, you know, that's representative of something and that bloody trail leading to that oil dump. I mean, it looked like it was a, a crime scene. And <laughs> I think Olick was in on the crime. I hate to say it. <laughs> but... Well, in all fairness, everybody's pretty dirty the whole show. Even <laughs> even the people like, you know, Mara, who's yeah. first class. I mean, she was sweating practically the whole show. She was yeah. a redhead and light colored. So just like me, you know, even when I get hot, it takes a lot to make me sweat. But she was sweating pretty much the whole show. And I, I had no idea why they decided to make her like that, unless that was supposed to be part of her madness, you know, quote unquote. So you're always sweaty. But... <laughs> or nervous. It's like a, a thing about anxiety and being nervous and sweating. I'm a sweater. When I get nervous, I absolutely sweat. That's uh, what happens. Um, my last ones, I'm not going to go into great detail, but my other ones I picked out besides what we said there is, of course, Ike. How can you leave Mr. Ike out? Uh, Virginia, it's no secret. I'm in love with Virginia. And Clements, I put Clements in there too, because I guess I should explain, because Clements seemed like she was on the side of good, ready to do the right thing, whether it was with Lucian or with Jerome or whatever. Um, it seemed like she would be a good partner to have around. She always has your back. Um, she had that little suspicious look on her face that first episode. We don't know what was up with that. But after, beyond that moment, every other time you see her, she seems like sincere and, I don't know, wanting to connect. 
Mm-hmm. And that's nice. Clemens, I like her for it. Yeah. I mean, in general, I agree with you. I did, however, on my rewatch, and I didn't say this, but I did notice that she really did wasn't doing a darn thing during that sex. They're, they're like, you know, their awkward sex scene, her and Lucian. <laughs> um, she was just laying there with her arms like this. And yeah. it's like, that yeah. really was sus, you know, that, that I was like, who does that? Nobody does that unless that was unless that was part of I was trying to think of, okay, what excuse could there be? I know maybe back in those times in society, maybe it was thought of as being inappropriate if you were female and enjoyed sex. So maybe that was like what you were supposed to do as a female is just right. let the guy do everything. Maybe that was the feminine way or so she society. thought she was doing the right thing. And Lucian was like, no, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to give her a pass on that, but it, no, it really I don't was... want to give her a pass on that. You're absolutely right. I, I took it more as that. I knew, I knew that the show was going to have different seasons. So again, I'm just delving into territory. I don't know. I think we would have seen in Clements's past that maybe she might've been traumatized and didn't enjoy sex. Um, mm. Maybe didn't enjoy sex with men. I don't know. Maybe that's what the pants suggested, but I think maybe she just didn't enjoy sex at all. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> that's, I mean, and it frustrated Lucian, of course, they couldn't talk about it for whatever reason, because it's 1899, yeah. but um, I'm not giving her a pass, but yeah. sometimes there could be traumatic reasons for that. That's true. I also wondered if she knew Jerome before. This is another thing I didn't say before, but she, um, when they meet on the, her and Jerome meet on the deck and she introduces herself, you get the feeling because of several things that happened that perhaps Jerome does remember more than the rest of people. And he Mm -hmm. says, um, you're right. I did make up my mind about you as soon as I saw you but when did he first see her it could have been in the past yeah and if he and Lucian were war buddies sure they could have been in the field but it's also possible that they were friends before the they were on the battlefield and maybe Lucian was in love with sorry Jerome was in love with Clemens already or maybe he just loved her from a distance or yeah you know, all kinds of things could have been. Yeah. I'm thinking immediately, like, it was actually Jerome and Clements that were together. And then, um, you know, Jer- Lucian shows up. He's now a general. And Jerome's gone. That Nobody knows where he is. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, you're my new girlfriend, Clements. And right. then... He Isn't that what happens forget- in the Count of Monte Cristo? Um, the guy, you know, the Mon- Count call. of Monte Cristo gets lock- yeah. locked up and his buddy goes to comfort the, you know, the fiance. Yep. And maybe like, uh, you know, she got one of those shots of the, of the, what the white juice and like, she forgot about all that. <laughs> right. And that's so. why she's there to remember all that stuff. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the white juice. <laughs> it took me a minute to understand what you were talking about. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that good old just... <laughs> 1899 drug, the white juice. Yep, the forgetful stuff. <laughs> I'm not. I don't even know if I got that right. If it's the black that makes you forget and the white that makes you remember, or vice versa. Um, it's in my notes here somewhere, but I'm not going to. The start white flipping. makes you remember. The black makes you forget. Okay, there you go. So yeah, I'm fairly sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> Tell Specula us if I'm wrong and put it in the comments if I'm wrong, everybody. I mean, this is like real time speculation. I just <laughs> we're just thinking about this on the spot here. So this is great. <laughs> mm -hmm. OK, so we've talked about our MVP characters. Yeah. What about side characters that you want to call out on this show? I want you to take a wild guess who my favorite <laughs> side character is out of everybody. The garlic dude. Heck Landon. yes, Landon. <laughs> That's exactly right. And um, I even wrote down here Michael Landon. Because, you know, I do think that that's what that whole thing was about. His name is Landon. He's talking about the wolves. Michael Landon wrote, you know, Call of the Wild about the wolves. I think that's a, a literary call out. I think Tobey's name is a literary call out to Jabberwocky. Um, but yeah, Landon's my favorite guy. My favorite side character. He was hilarious. <laughs> I hate to poo-poo on your theory, but the author, that author is Jack London. But okay. <laughs> Michael Landon played that character um in the call of the wild oh okay. and he played that's it. i'm sorry i'm sorry michael landon played the character teenage werewolf i got this all wrong <laughs> michael landon was absolutely the teenage werewolf there you go <laughs> a teenage it's, werewolf yeah that 60s movie i was a teenage werewolf okay you're not you're not thinking of teen wolf because that's michael no, j fox that's okay. michael j fox that's okay, correct great. michael okay. landon was absolutely this is great werewolf. podcasting. <laughs> it is. <laughs> we know our stuff, like the back of our hands. But at least we can correct each other. I said something absolutely wrong. You corrected me. Thank you for that. Seriously. Regardless of if he referred literary <laughs> reference or not, Garlic Man is is definitely a notable character. I know you liked the humor on that one. Are we considering Ada a side character? Yeah, definitely. Uh, because I think I definitely want to call out Ada. I yep. I missed her as soon as she as soon as she left the show. Um, I mean her corpse was her corpse or her body, her her vessel was still there <laughs> um for for uh episode three, I think it was. But um but yeah, she was sort of a glue i would say between crester and tovey and as long as she was around there was tovey had that hope that crester would make good in his promise that he was gonna mm -hmm. run away with her and they would start their new life together but uh you know also ada would she was able to communicate for her family when they couldn't and she was the only one that wasn't possibly traumatized by you know any that's right in any family if something a trauma happens in the family it happens to the whole family we know that from our, our psychology lessons now that even um when there's abuse or trauma going on it affects every member and so ada obviously would have had effects from that but she was the only one that wasn't there and yep. sort of had an innocence about her that the rest of their family because they don't talk about anything. So obviously they never told Ada what happened. Well, when you asked who my favorite side character was before, I wrote down Landon and then I wrote down Ada. Um, that was my other favorite side character. So I'm glad we see eye to eye on that. I also wrote on here, I was going to tell Nate that Ada is not creepy at all. She's a wonderful young lady. And I think that she represents young Mora. I think that she's almost like a show stand-in for like a young smart girl who is interested 
and you know things that she can't even hardly comprehend at her age but she's still like wrestling with you know big ideas so nate ada is a wonderful side character and she's not <laughs> creepy <laughs> even though you you're not here nate we're still arguing with you <laughs> oh we'll send him a copy of this for sure <laughs> we'll force him to watch it like the watcher <laughs> i'm also Henry. i also feel a moral obligation to call out wilhelm just because you know, he got called Neville Longbottom the whole show. And sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but also <laughs> he was a loyal shipmate and you know, kept working and he had no clue what was going on. Yeah. And his friend, quote unquote, Sebastian or Kieran. <laughs> just decided for really no reason to put him out of commission. Yeah. He was definitely his own man because Franz's best friend was Eugene, I think. Right. And then Sebastian was kind of his own person. Ike was kind of off on himself. So yeah, Wilhelm didn't have really anybody. And he seemed like he was he was really anxious and worried about this whole thing. And, and he's like a responsible really, young man. He feels very, you can tell when they're beating up on Olick in the bridge. He's yeah, that's feeling right. very uncomfortable about the whole thing. Yeah. As he should. That's great. And he was starting to question. Uh, he was starting to question Sebastian at the end, which is, I guess, why Sebastian took action. But he was like, I think the captain mm. was right, and you know, he realized too late that he was on the wrong side of history with this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe that empty pod is actually Wilhelm. Nobody has guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, the empty pod. What what would crack me up about that is that. Um, I don't know if you saw, but I put it on the Facebook group and I had said, who do you think the empty pod is? And someone said, well, I thought that was just the pod that Mora came out of. Oh, <laughs> right. like, oh dang. Okay. Well, maybe it's that simple. But then I saw that somebody said there was actually another empty pod. So there was still an empty pod. Oh my gosh. Me and there's a person that, um, that we follow each other on Instagram. Uh, their name is a uh, person I feel lost. That's like their Instagram handle. But mm -hmm. we dissected that scene together so hard and like we had like a diagram of it and you could there's an empty pod next to the window and there's an empty pod over there next to Ike. And then, you know, so we like knew the whole like room and we identified all the people. It was kind of fun. It was a cool thing. Yeah. Um, so what did you guys come up with? I know a little bit of a tangent here, but did you decide who was in the empty pod? Oh, no, we disagreed about it. Just like okay. everybody disagrees about it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm saying now it's Wilhelm. It's, it's got to be him. <laughs> it's got <laughs> Great. Um, other side characters? I didn't write anybody else down. Um, mm -hmm. aside, I, mean, I mean, I mean, I know they existed. I guess we would call Franz a side character. Um, I think he might be a good person that might be in that empty pod. He's a good contender. Because he he was in every episode and he played a significant role. Um, yeah, I don't think I don't think of him as a side character. I don't either. I guess, but, yeah. Um, if we don't he... have a lot of characters to deal with. There's supposed to be like <laughs> two thousand of them, but I mean we're only dealing with like twenty four people. Yeah, here. you're right. I mean, we've probably done. Uh, we probably mentioned everybody. I mean, like. We don't really need to talk about Redbeard. It's fine. You know, like, I don't, I don't remember what that guy's name was. I did know his name for a while. But Yeah, I remember I was impressed by that. 
because I didn't bother IMD, to learn it. It's on IMDb. <laughs> okay, I just know that like he he manhandled Virginia, so he's dead to me, man. I tell you that. <laughs> okay, the characters that we despised, or the characters that we loved mm. to hate, whatever yeah, we decided to call this section. Well, you were right about this. I didn't want to like say like despise because it's like, you know, it's like your least favorite character on like your favorite show. So you kind of like everybody. So like mm -hmm. even if we say like who we hate the most, it doesn't mean that we hate that character. Mm -hmm. It just means they yeah, have to come on the bottom that of the list. They didn't do bad acting. We're yeah. not saying that they the writing wasn't good, but they I think when you watch the show, when you care that obviously there are characters that really grate on your nerves and you think why are you still existing and why are you still <laughs> acting this way so i you know i think we're still going to talk about it but what yeah. who did you write down steve i wrote down three names um no surprise in the first one crester um just just like going back and seeing all his interactions with tove first watch through you think tove sucks and Crestor's this like sympathetic guy. And then like it all gets turned around episode six. Um, he was the first guy to jump over. He had a bad nervous energy. He was just a, uh, you know, he was, he was written that way. Uh, he was my least favorite of all of them. Mm -hmm. How about you? I guess I, yeah, I, I can't despise him. I feel sorry for him. He's a character I definitely feel sorry for. I do think he's a coward and um, you know, he's, he's the type that if you try to talk to them about a way they've wronged you, he just goes in defensive mode and mm -hmm. goes on attack. And that's yeah. definitely not an attractive quality. Right. Um, but I can't necessarily despise him or, or think he's the worst. I still don't know exactly why you think he's the worst but um my most <laughs> my most despised character would be lucian just because he's whiny and he's a character i don't feel sorry for because he's always playing that victim mentality and thinking his life is worse than everybody else's right and um even when people are trying to communicate with him he just can't do it he can only see that his own point of view that's valid. Um, I didn't write down Lucian as one of my bottom characters, surprisingly. Um, but yeah, I, I thought about him. I thought about putting <laughs> him down there. He He's a close contender. Um, I still don't understand why you don't see why I don't like Crestor, because I think I've, I've spelled it out many times. <laughs> I don't mm -hmm. know what else I can say, but I'll go on to my next character, which mm -hmm. is a, it's an easy gimme. Everybody, nobody likes Ivan. So I'm going to put Ivan down there too. Like, from like her her judgmental stances to like her freaking out to like her making anchor pray in the water and die right there in the hallway like in just some random hallway i think she deserves to be at the bottom and i think that's maybe why i adored her so much like laying down there in her robe in the making of 1899 just because like she charmed me i loved that moment and it made me feel differently about her because uh, up until then, I hadn't seen her as a person. I've only seen her as Ivan. And at that moment, I, I humanized her. And I liked it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ivan's, Ivan's an interesting character. I think what 
helped her for me to not be as despicable as all that. Although I definitely dislike her and I was, you know, or maybe you know that I was waiting for the moment that she would see the boy and have to be like, you lost, (laughs) you lost Ivan. And I was so bummed that she decided to kill herself instead. (laughs) You know, she didn't, she didn't live to see what I wanted her to see. Justice. <laughs> um, but I guess for me, the way they wrote her character was you, you understood her perspective and how she saw the world. And she yeah. lived that out with integrity for that warped belief system. <laughs> she had a compass as sick and twisted as it was, she had her belief in God and how she wanted to live her life. And she did that until the very end. And so for me, that made her very formidable and scary as a person, but it didn't, yeah, it didn't make me dislike her. I didn't really dislike anybody, honestly, except for Lucian. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. He's your big one, huh? I'm, I'm just... (laughs) He, he, like, I kept waiting for maybe they would do one thing. Uh, because, like, like I said, Bo and Yantia, they love to live in that gray area. And even the most despicable character, you end up seeing something redeemable about or, or figure it out. Maybe it would have come later, but all he did was whine about his <laughs> life. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I have anybody else, but go ahead with your with your third person. Maybe it'll spark something in me. Uh, hot take. No one's going to like this. Um, I wasn't really super impressed with Ling. She's down there by default. Um, not because I disliked her a whole lot, but, you know, when you have like a ranking of characters, somebody's got to fall into the bottom three. Lucian's lurking there around bottom four, bottom five, but Ling made it down to bottom three. Um, just because I didn't really feel that connected to her. Um, I felt like she just made a lot of goofy mistakes. Um, she was kind of in the way a lot. She was like a, like when I say in the way, like she was like helping, whoops, hello, helping Olick with that coal shoot unnecessarily helping Oleg steer the ship unnecessarily. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, is your, uh, is this your character? Your Oleg's like partner. I didn't really see much that like, really like, you know, and really endeared me to her. Mm-hmm. So by default, she falls on the wayside. I liked Lucian more because I connected with it. I didn't connect with this character, but you know, he was more of a fun character to watch and watch his sniveling face and watch how (laughs) crappy he got and watch the crappy stuff that came out of his mouth. That was kind of fun. I like that. Well, we at least got a really great meme out of it. If nothing else. Um, What's that? Or like the meme about, you, you know, the, what was it? Smudge or smudge meme? You don't care if I live or die. 
That's right. With the earrings and the with cat. With the cat with the triangle earrings. That's right. Yes. I didn't know Smudge. I guess that's the name of the cat. That's the name of the cat. Yeah. I I yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I don't remember <laughs> that. But that was fantastic. If nothing else, we got we got a fun, a fun meme out of it. Like every day. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have liked Ramiro as well, but then he sort of came into his own and when pushed, you know, once he was away from Angel, he sort of was able to mm -hmm. forge his own path and um, you know, before he was kind of like the guy who was jealous for Angel's affections. Yeah. I never like it when a person's arc is just about their romance <laughs> um, and maybe that's how you feel about Ling. Um, that that's all they really gave her to do is just follow Olick around. Um, hopefully they would have made her more interesting, you know, in the next, in the next couple seasons. But yeah, she also wasn't really allowed to express herself much Yeah, with her character being dressed up in, in geisha attire and she wasn't allowed to talk. And so, yeah, yeah she was design. another kind of mopey, a mopey character now she wasn't as mopey as her mom yet but that was where <laughs> she was what she was heading to towards is this the bell tolls sort of future where you're just like we should never have come um yeah she had like that yuck had that negative mom energy where she's just like you can't come back from this you'll be like old chewing gum and <laughs> you know <laughs> if you sleep with this man you become just like garbage um, yeah. Let me redo my list here. I forgot about Yuck. She's more of a side character. She was in the spaceship, though. She was in the spaceship Kerberos. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I yeah. don't know. Anyway, I, I've forgotten about Yuck, actually, as a main character. So, I probably might have put her down there, too, instead of Ling. But mm -hmm. Yeah. I didn't feel... I mean, nobody should feel obligated to like, I have to come up with three characters in a show I like that I don't, that I want to say that are least, but <laughs> you know, you put, you gave yourself that challenge and I can admire that. Yeah. Steve, you're like, you're like, um, <laughs> Ivan, you know, you're going to follow it through. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the light, the God has led us here. So we have to go through <laughs> with this and say who we hate. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, now exactly. we're moving into more positive territory though, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about mm -hmm. better yes. things. Yes, we're going to talk about the character that we feel like we're most like. I'll go first this time because I do know this Please. one. The character I feel that I most like would be Mara because, you know, she is that female living in a man's world trying to make her way. She has been given the opportunity to study, but not to practice medicine. And um, she refuses to be sidelined and to follow follow the expected path a woman should take. I don't feel like I necessarily chose that. Maybe I did more than more than I think that I did. You know, obviously, here I am still forty six, not married, no kids. Even though our world has changed, that's still pretty unusual. And uh, that's not necessarily what I chose for myself. But here I am, and I often feel sidelined in, in this world when I, um, you know, if you're with a bunch of women at a baby shower, for instance, and everybody acts like everybody's had babies before, 
or you you know you'll go to a thing we had a we had a health insurance or no it wasn't health insurance it was um it was a session on preparing for the end of your life and how to do that well so how to make a will a living will and all these documents you want to get ready and the guy giving the prison presentation kept saying over and over again that you need a a second person this will probably be your spouse or this will be your spouse and i finally put in the chat not everybody's married um so can you use some different examples or at least not talk about that as if every single person in this room has a spouse because that's not the case and um you just often feel that you're not like everybody else and i think that that's definitely how Mara feels and um so I've related her to her 100% she's reading books and not wearing her corset and not um (laughs) she's wearing pants and she wore pants before Clemens saw the light um so yeah that's great I I admire that I admire all of that um geez uh I I know that I wanted to say Mora too in a way, but I couldn't. So I see myself more as your key, your Ike, <laughs> I suppose. Um, I don't have as deep of a response as you did, but I look at Ike and he's a man that self-medicates, you know, he, and something that I'm well familiar with. Um, he spends a, he's confused in this show a lot and he's trying to figure things out and he he wears his anxiety and his confusion on his face and you can see it and you can see it in his demeanor and I see that in myself too like I, I when I take things seriously and when I'm you know really feeling passionate or anxious or upset or depressed you know it's 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 blatant and it takes over all of my emotions and I can see that in Ike as well. You know, he's definitely like not a happy-go-lucky dude that's going to be like hanging out with the boys. He's he's going to be brooding. I'm a brooder too. You know, maybe a surprise because I like to be upbeat on my podcast and stay positive. But yeah, Ike also seems like he was a pretty good dad when he was at home. He had a good relationship with his daughter. Um, didn't have a great relationship with his wife. His wife had her own problems too that he wasn't necessarily helping with. And, you know, I'm part of a family, I'm part of relationships and we all have problems and we all like to think that, you know, we're as helpful as we can be to like our spouses and others, but you know, there's failures and that happened with Ike. It happens with me. I mean, I I see Ike in myself. I think these two main characters were really well-written. I think it says something that you, a female chose Mara as your, your main and I chose Ike as my main because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to like relate with the main characters. Mm-hmm. So Bo and Jante, you did it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, before we move on to the next question, I wanted to ask, I did want to ask you a follow-up question about Ike's arc. Maybe this would be a good time to put that in. Mm-hmm. In in the show, obviously he has this special relationship with nina right his daughter nina now he lost (laughs) sorry (laughs) in this fire um and the answer is probably going to be that you don't know and we'll never know but the um (laughs) but i'll ask you the question before i assume that okay um 
in the fire, he loses his wife and two other daughters, but he ends up, it's almost like Nina is the most important. You know, she's the one he sees. She's the one he calls by name. She's the one he cries out for during when he sees this burning has happened. So why do you think Nina is the most significant or important in that in his life and in his situation? I guess he saw himself in Nina more than anybody else in his family. Um, I mean, obviously he tried, he had a relationship with his wife. He had three children. They had a marriage and a house, but it was obvious he wasn't always there for his wife. His other two daughters were younger. Uh, Nina was the one that was taking care of them. So probably when he came home, it was Nina who filled him in on stuff that was happening around the house. And she was like, not attached to him like in any kind of like romantic way so she was easier to talk to um i think it makes total sense to have that bond like with your oldest child okay i didn't get the see now i didn't see clearly if that she was the oldest child i thought maybe the other there was one daughter that was older than her but i could be wrong okay but i think your point is is well made maybe she's the one he could talk to for some reason and it's possible that the wife was somewhat mentally unstable i mean <laughs> right right probably not possible since she she set herself on fire and the rest of the household um yes but that also makes sense why then ike and mara have a connection a st- pretty strong connection because they sort of have maybe similar family structures they're from and so, uh, you know, maybe Mar even reminds him of Nina a little bit. Um, yeah, absolutely. Perhaps his daughter was was the type that asked questions and didn't um, didn't just go with the flow. So, yeah. I okay. wonder if um, Daniel and Elliot died in a house fire, too. Wouldn't that be something? I'm kidding. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, they the, hos- the, the hospital did crash. look pretty beat up. Yeah, that's right. Um, I actually wondered when I saw that, when I saw the hospital, I was like, you know, this reminds me a lot of the school in dark at the end, you know, in the, um, in the future world when it gets, it's all radiated and, and Jonas goes back to the school to find more gas and more fuel to, to light. Oh, hey, no spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just forget you ever heard you heard anything I just said, everybody. But um, <laughs> but yeah, they might be reusing some of the sets from that show. <laughs> okay, so our next section is characters that you want to hang out with. Okay, um, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go first? You go first. I think that's a different page. Um, okay, this is going to be like based on like everyday Steve, just like, you know, boring Steve. Um, I I think my top two would be Olick and Clements because they just seemed like agreeable, um, easy to talk to, easy to be around, kind of go along with, you know, what you want to do. And they'll be there to protect you, hang out with you. I think they would both be good friends, Olick Hmm. and Clements. When it comes to like hanging out, like party time, like we're going out, we're going to go to a show, um, we're going to get crazy. 
It's my boy Angel. I'm going out with Angel, man. He's gonna. He's rich. <laughs> Say Landon. <laughs> no, I mean Landon's fun. I watch TV with Landon. That'd be my job with Landon. We watch TV, but Angel would be my going out pal for sure. He'd get me in the front row of the concert. He'd get us backstage, VIPs. Come on, Angel. <laughs> That's How about true. You? Who are your buddies? I well, I would. <laughs> you're gonna. You're gonna think this is nuts. But um, I would want to hang out with Franz, I think. Um, okay, that's solid. Sauce Boss. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm I friends mean... with Sauce Boss, so I totally see that. <laughs> but what's your reason? I like complicated people. I like, uh, you know, I like people that are going to argue with me and have a good, lively <laughs> discussion. Okay. And I feel like Franz really fits the bill on that. I mean, also, I like bearded, bigger men. So, I mean... <laughs> I think he's a nice looking man also. And he hasn't had a lot of love in his life. And so, True. you know, maybe I could help him out with that. But Franz would be a cool person to hang out with. Um, Just because, yeah, he just has the energy that when he, he works hard and he plays hard. <laughs> and you know what? When Ike was all like, we can't let the family know about this death. Franz was all like, what? What? Yeah. You got to tell them. And he went and told them. Good on you, Franz. I, yeah. I, yeah. I, looking back on this series. Yeah. Franz is a stand up dude. Mutiny. Eh. But he was kind of, you know, <laughs> I can't blame the guy. He was, he, well, he had a little, there was a vie for control. I think he got really, uh, I mean, I don't like right. the fact that he <laughs> wanted to beat up, you know, instantly felt that animosity towards Jerome. Oh yeah. You're yeah. He started beating up your boy. I mean, yeah. ooh, how'd you feel about that? I mean, I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Franz needed, needed a woman's touch to help, you know, like it wasn't, he started, when he started hanging out with Tove, he's, he was, He's became more redeemable as yeah. as he's one of the people that evolved as, as the show goes on, where he's like, okay, he's uh he makes whatever you call it, uh spontaneous decisions that aren't always really good. Mm, but he does okay. take action at least. And at the end of the day, he does take responsibility for his choices. There's that moment where Eugen says, you know, the penalty for this is death. And uh, Franz accepts that. He he sees that as a truth and doesn't yep. cower or turn into a baby about it. Yeah. And I like that. I like when people take responsibility for their mistakes. I don't see Franz becoming a whiny baby like Lucian, you know? Not at all. Nope. Lucian, I do not want to hang out with him. I guess <laughs> no everyone's way. playing this stuff right now. That goes without saying. <laughs> um, let's see who else. I mean, I want to hang out with cool Ike, you know, coat Ike. I don't want to hang out with like undone Ike, you know, as he goes along and just What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what did you and Miss Franklin talk about? I don't even know if he'd be a fun hang though, like when he was Coat Ike, because he just kind of kept to himself and he was kind of cold to Mara. You shouldn't be on this part of the ship. Get out of here. Yeah, and he was all about the rules. That's yeah. not really fun. So nope. maybe I retract the whole thing. Maybe I should. For... <laughs> I mean, he's handsome. He's handsome. Don't get me wrong. Um, I also would like to chat with Virginia. I feel like have a battle of the wills. I want to, um, you know, she was really intrigued when she knew Mara was 
maybe working on brains. So yeah. Um, plus, it you know, I've been Virginia in that scene when, like, I'm telling you, that was a great scene when she's counting her money. I mean, not that I count my money all the time, but she <laughs> was knocking. <laughs> she, I don't smoke cigarettes either, but she was knocking <laughs> back some booze. Right. Um, and re, you know, having she had a bath, she had her hair washed, she was relaxing after a a lucrative day. I I know I know the scene well. I remember well. Sure <laughs> and I do. agree with you. I thought she seemed super cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, I liked when she had her hair down. You yep. know, she looked she looked young and um the, her dress is pretty, but you know. She needs to, to lose the attitude. But, uh, you know, I bet when she's drinking after hours without the dress, she is much different. <laughs> She'd be the most fun person to be sitting at that table with her and Mara while she goes around and talks about everybody. I would love to have Virginia with me going out and she could talk about everybody and we could kind of, you know, you know, giggle at their misfortunes and. <laughs> I think that'd be fun, but honestly, I I really don't believe that. I, I don't like mm -hmm. being snarky. Um, that's why I like Virginia because it's something that I'm not. I suppose mm -hmm. Mara, though, I really could see myself like hanging out and talking to Mara. I have a very good friend Meg who I've known like all my life, and she's like my deep conversation friend, and that's who Mara kind of reminds me of. And I think I've had some of these conversations with Meg and. Mara's just, you know, a brilliant thinker. And when she's not at distress, like I'm thinking about the scene. I mean, not because they're in bed, but when she's with Daniel and they're relaxed and they're talking about Plato's cave, um, that's the Mara that I could see like just being cool just to like hang out with and have some coffee with and just talk about stuff. <laughs> yeah, have pillow talk and get up, put on a hospital gown. I mean, it's like a scene nobody, from, nobody, nobody. from the home. No, no. <laughs> you know, like they say with LSD, it's always set and setting. So in my set and setting, <laughs> me and Mara would be like at, you know, at, I don't know, at a coffee shop. <laughs> we would mm -hmm. not be in bed together. Yeah. I mean, Mara seems like, you know, she obviously she's well read. And so I think yeah. we could we could talk about books and stuff, but at the same time, she sort of doesn't have, I mean, you see, when you hear the Mar at the beginning and she's doing that, the brain is wider than the sky. She sounds so mysterious and, and interesting to talk to. But then later on, when every time you see her and she's hanging out with her dad now, I mean, her dad probably brings out the worst in her. Um, but she sort of lacks any imagination because she all she keeps saying is, he found out what you were doing on the ships. Where's my brother? That's and true. She, she's almost has that um, laser focus of where she can't see outside of this box that she's had. And I right. mean, many of the characters did that, especially in the beginning. And, and Anthony and I talked about, and maybe you talked about the fact that sometimes the characters sounded like they were just reading lines from video games and yeah. that they, they were sort of, it was almost like a script and they were just reading weird lines, but she's only when she's in that distress position she's sort of uh seems to only you know she just has like i said this laser focused mind and she's not able to have a good conversation but i want to talk to the i want to talk to the mara from the 
episode one when she was talking about the brain holds all the secrets of the universe. Let's talk yep. about that question. And that that would be good before things fell apart. Yep. That's the more I'm talking about as well. <laughs> <Okay>. Exactly. <laughs> the pre freak out Mara. Pre freak out Mara. I don't want to be scrambling in tunnels with Mara. I don't want that to happen. Yeah. I would really, you know, I would have loved, uh, you know, Nate, you're you're listening to this in post. Please tell us what characters you would want to hang out with because we would have loved to hear your answers for, for this uh, question. I have a feeling. I was actually going to ask him if he would go ahead and do that for us, but I know he's busy, so that that's the reason he's not here. So obviously he can't go and write out an essay for us. Mm -hmm. But I, I would like to hear that. Put it in the comments, Nate. When you subscribe and follow, <laughs> go ahead and put it in the comments. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about evolved characters, characters that we saw change for better or worse. Okay. You could call this the most, yeah, most evolved character. Is the, I don't have to say it any other way. <laughs> um, I have a couple for this. Um, the first Same. one would be Tove. Um, I okay. guess just as you, you grew increasingly more irritated with Crestor, I more just be began to admire Tove more and more after I saw what she'd been through with her family because she does absolutely just come across like the biggest bitch at the beginning and you you think probably oh she's some kind of a homophobe like she's really grossed out by the fact that her brother doesn't like uh, that her brother likes men um which probably that was I'm you know that was obviously part of society back then um and maybe even still today, who knows that we still have homophobes out there. But, um, you know, she basically had to rescue herself in that situation. Mm -hmm. Her family, you know, her brother did not take responsibility in the, in a normal situation. If this man, his, the employer was um, now no one wanted to see Crestor get shot or anything. But the the guy was obviously just taking advantage of this situation to say, oh, well, since you did this to my son, I am now going to rape your sister. And so it's Tove essentially paying for Crestor's crimes. Right. And the family either could not or would not stop this from happening. And as it's happening, they're even all averting their eyes as if, Tove, you're on your own. You know, we're we're just gonna sit here while this is happening and pretend it's not happening. That's part of their sickness. They have like whatever you call it, the push it under the rug kind of syndrome in the family where it's like this elephant under the carpet. Um <laughs> elephant, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you want your family, especially as a as a girl, you want your dad to be your hero and here, that didn't happen. I mean, Tobey had to rescue herself. And then now she's watching Crestor have dallings with another man. And and so um, does that mean she should have been, you know, that she should have acted that way with her brother? Not necessarily, but at the same time, um, I just grew in empathy towards Tobey and being with her parents 
her parents who kept telling her this you have God's child <clears throat> you have the light inside of you and probably Tobe wanted to say no I have my rapist baby you know and that's what I'm carrying around yeah um so she's a character I just grew to respect more and more and wanted almost wanted to protect you know I wanted to protect Tove from um having to deal with any more trauma or uh, messed up people in the future poor lady was only left with Franz though at the end but um and then she even lost but hey, him but yeah but I mean she got your catch man so that's a pretty big catch <laughs> but I mean she um you know I'm sitting here listening to you talk and I'm thinking that she's a much more complex character than I've given her credit for because she kind of goes back and forth between being like a um you know stern and kind of like no no holds barred and then she's you know protective and um caring and then she goes back and forth a lot um she's vulnerable i mean there's that very, scene where she's crying and clements is having to comfort her you know clements has no idea what's going on but you know shout out to clements she's like um how ramiro was you know she just saw a person in distress and decided to comfort them even if they can't understand each other. Yeah. So I wouldn't think about um, her as like my most evolved character or Crestor. And I will say this because you reminded me, I'm going to, that's another reason I don't like Crestor is that he had a dalliance with this guy's son, you know, whether that is what it is. And he did not ask for the outcome for, you know, his sister to get traumatized like that. But at the same time, it's like, he's saying all the wrong things to her. He's acting all the wrong ways to her. And on top of that, he's like having a dalliance with another man on repeated occasions. And when he's supposed to be looking for Ada, he's up there with Angel. And that makes Crestor look terrible. I mean, in relation to what is going on with his family and his sister, that's the last thing he should be doing is thinking about, you know, cigarettes and Angel. Um, but we're talking about evolved characters mm -hmm. and I wanted to bring it back around to somebody that I wanted to shout out when you were talking about Ramiro, because when we were talking about our least favorite characters, if you asked me after episode one and two, I would probably say Ramiro was my least favorite character. And like, when I go back and listen to me and Nate, um, talking about Ramiro, like we just despise Ramiro and we're like, you know. And I, I what came, did you despise about him at the beginning? Just exactly like what you said. He just seemed like he was harboring some sort of resentment against Angel. And just he was a, a stiff, you know, at the first episode, you know, you're you're led to believe he's a priest and he just seems like he's so unfun and stiff and um up his own butt. <laughs> and I don't know, he just he came, really came around, especially with Ike when they got locked up together and he's swinging those hammers around and he's mm -hmm. running around and he's trying to get plans together and he's, you know, helping Tove. I mean, he really came around as like a top guy and I would not have expected that in the first couple of episodes that I would like Ramiro as much as I did. And um, yeah, I think that's my, my most notable character change um, is Ramiro. How about you? Who did you think? Yeah, I mean, 
besides Tove, I just, I think there are a lot of characters evolved. I mean, we have, we talked about Ike already, how he went from like smooth operator to um, an anxious mess. <laughs> um, but, uh, and a lot of the evolutions that happen actually are from like good to worse. <laughs> but like, on, I mean, on hell is, you know, he's a perfect example, honestly, where he's, um, he seems like really fun and rowdy and sort of the life of the party. And then he just becomes more and more confused and mentally unstable as the as the show goes along. He's not used to, he's used to because of his money and his position. Yeah. He's always the person that's sort of in control and able to control things. And I feel like that moment when he's not in control, yeah. when Ivan comes in, and you know he gets to experience what it's like to be the person that is mistreated he's mm -hmm. mistreated by people in third class um and he gets spat upon by crester he was thinking oh i have a good relationship with this guy even though it's just a sexual dalliance he's like oh i'm in here's crester he's gonna like tell them to leave me alone um sort of hiding behind his money and once he realizes he can't do that and then ramiro leaves him um for a, for a time he sort of mm -hmm. abandons him and says i'm gonna do what's right i'm gonna go tell the captain Angel gets abandoned and he has to see what it's like to really be by himself when he's used to always having control mm -hmm. and so we saw how quickly he became just weak a weak person who um you know without his money without his white uh superman superhero costume <laughs> he has nothing and he can't even shovel coal correctly really i mean he's never worked a day in his life those but, powdery hands these like soft putty putty feeling hands you're right but he did it though he did it he that's how he died was working as third class mm -hmm. um shoveling coal like the underlings um and he was doing it uh it was only him and ramiro at the very end and they kind of shrugged their shoulders and kept on going so i think that says yeah. something about angel right there mm -hmm. that he evolved right alongside ramiro yeah. um and his dying words like you know sweet sweet guy mm -hmm. yep so yeah, I don't have anybody else really characters evolved because yeah, mine was Ike, Angel, and Ramiro. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our next category we we thought of was most notable death. Oh man, I, I think this to... is this is a gimme, right? Oh well, go ahead then. Olick, that was like the one that like I think like grabbed me the most. I, I guess there's two, mm -hmm. Olick, just because of the the. The character and how he died the water protecting ling etc but the other notable death was the same guy that i despise crester because he's like the key like we see crester become one of those sheep mm -hmm. and jump over the side of the ship that's right. a pretty like aha wow moment like oh my god one of the main people did it um not expecting that mm -hmm. um so that was i think that was pretty notable too well, before I share mine, I did want to, one thing I noticed that was kind of funny is that 
when it came time to the sheep to fall off of the ship, <laughs> I thought it was interesting that some people uh, just fell over. Some of them <laughs> stood on the bar yeah. and some of them carefully climbed. <laughs> I know. I noticed that too. <laughs> it was, I was like, wait a second. There's sort of a different, obviously these <laughs> These sheep have different physical abilities. Some of them have much better balance than the rest of them. I would be one of the ones climbing over the rung, one one rung at a time, one leg at a time, um, as I cling on before I fall off. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, this calorie was actually tough for me, but I wanted to save talking about it until we got on the podcast to, to mention that because we called this the most notable death and during the show, there were several characters that you were struck by because of their death. But then once you figure out they're not really dead, they're just put out of commission, it sort <laughs> right. of makes the deaths less impactful. Sure. Um, so I, I do think that's interesting. But when when Ada, we didn't know what happened to Ada. Right. And Good so call. when that happened, you're really immediately putting Daniel in your like world <laughs> most wanted list you know like why did you take <laughs> kill this little girl and what did you do to her exactly we didn't see it um so that was pretty really got your attention and yes. plus that scene was so well done with the music the creepy music I think it's the initiating shutdown music and um sweet we've got... child of time <laughs> of course there was that song going on too <laughs> yes yes um, but that really got my attention. I also felt really shocked about the boys thing until he just popped out of a cabin. So a cabinet oh. so that, um, yeah, that sort yeah. of lost its sort of lost its uh, power, lost the impact. Lost but yeah, that's the death that I think now that you mention it, that's the one that like I kind of like was uh, most like appalled and like just mm -hmm. flabbergasted by because I, I remember like the first time I've seen that and every time I've seen it since then I kind of have like a deja vu of that like feeling in my stomach of like how far you have to fall in like just the depths of the ocean um yeah that was a big impact you're right about that one mm -hmm. but then he's all great he comes out he just respawns like the yeah. dead kitty is and with Oleg, I was upset, but then later, and maybe it's because I turned into a Henry, but I mean, <laughs> you are sort of watching this thing happen and you're like, why are you making these dumb decisions? Like Ling goes Correct. out of the deck and then Oleg's like oh, Ling yeah. and he goes after her. And, and it's like, what if you just stayed at the steering wheel and Ling, cause she, as soon as she went out there and she saw that her mom disappeared. She probably yeah. would have come back in. Yeah. Um, but it was sort of, you know, we we don't we haven't seen yet how the death works, right? You know, right. like with Oleg, he's he's obviously still on the ship at the end, so we see that. But what is his state? You know, is he um still a living living breathing soul, or is he like a vegetable or somebody they've preserved? <laughs> to be revived if they can find a new brain for him or something. <laughs> um, uh, but that, you know, of course we, we had gotten, I mean, was Oleg the last person that died? Like the last character who died, Angel. quote unquote. Angel came after that. Okay. 
Yeah, I couldn't remember in what order what order they happened, but you know, he was the one we all really Olaf was one of the ones we all really liked. And so um And that's another reason that I have Ling on my that's why she dropped down so low is like a lot of these poor decisions that she made. And that was a big one running yeah. out there on the deck to see her her dead mom who she saw run jump over the side of the ship. Mm-hmm. These people and their silly emotions. I know that gets them every time. <laughs> if only they could learn to control their emotions. Mm. I mean, Franz's death was tragic to me, you know, now, especially now that I wanted to have the beer with him. Um, <laughs> but he died a very brave and noble death. And um, so, yeah, I thought that that wasn't something I expected to see or them to do with so much emotion because he has been so he's semi on the border of a side being a side character. Right. I mean, right. He, we have to give him a lead character role because he did have a poster, uh, but <laughs> yeah, he's, right. on the, he's not on the pod. Um, you know, he's not in one of the pods at the end, but he's on that border of almost being a side character. But the way they filmed it was just so, uh, you know, seeing him with his eyes open just floating in the water yeah. um and after he told tove to go on without him it was a very you know it was an impactful death there yeah i guess you know i know now your connection to franz but at the same time i think his death was kind of um almost sidelined um and i feel bad for that for him because like his death came at the exact same time as anchor and Ibans, so they all kind of died at the same time. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of like the day that Michael Jackson died. Farrah Fawcett also died, but nobody remembers that. They just remember Michael Jackson dying. But don't mm-hmm. sideline these side characters. You got to honor all of them. <laughs> so they they should have like had maybe had separate scenes for them, but mm-hmm. they kind of mash their scene in together. Hmm. I know. I saw them. That's interesting because that you're right, but yet Franz is the one that got my attention. But I guess that's because the whole and that and that's how you probably feel about Ling. But with Anker and Ivan, I was like, <clears throat> this death is so pointless. But you guys chose it yourself, so right. it's hard to be. It's hard to feel sorry for somebody who cho- chose it to just sit there um, and not run. Uh, even if you like think, okay, we get it. You're just gonna give up there that's fine um (laughs) yeah he's not a hero that's true you know he did Mm -hmm. something to help keep the water out from everybody else so yeah yeah honor you honor you bronze (laughs) okay so memorable moments from the show overall like what are the moments you really remember loving yeah this is my last page and i got a lot of them for me, I guess um, the th- first thing I wrote down, which I guess is telling, is the discovery of the the dream portals. I think that was like episode three or four is like the first time that we see a character actually go through the portal, come out the other side, and then you see like the tunnel behind them just hanging out in midair there. Um, that was a fantastic moment for me personally. I talked about this in my podcast, how... Um, impactful like the movie time bandits was to me as a kid in those portals that they went through um repeatedly in time bandits and the time portals and not the time portals but the um 
the gateways they use in the wheel of time series are similar and that's just a fascinating concept to me and i dream about it and i as a little kid i would stare into mirrors like thinking that was a portal taking me to some other world i think that's because of the movie phantasm that i saw at a very young age um but that moment for me um was like my like blow the mind love it moment and that came after the tv sets the tv sets might have been like the first like you know wow moment um so yeah i brought it around to two moments so <laughs> i'll let you either uh take it from there or add another moment i think for me probably the moment i remember most is when mara discovers the portal for the first time i love that mm -hmm. scene she goes down the ladder and follows the boy and that's when he has the beetle puts it on the ground the beetle um you know, well actually no elliot's already used the beetle to go through she climbs she crawls through and there's this creepy music the reflection of her body against the black glass and it oh, creates this ha, 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 ha. that's what the music was doing oh <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what the cue was, but I'll I'll trust you with that. But there was almost the there was like a Mora on the left, the real Mora, and then a Mora on the right. So it oh, created this really yeah. cool visual effect. And she's sort of sliding through in a she's almost sliding side saddle. Like she's not crawling. <laughs> uh, but I just I love that scene because and that's the first time we go through the portals as well. So we're discovering it along with her. Um, so that moment was visually and audibly, I guess, a just stunning moment. And that is part of episode five, The Calling, which is your favorite episode, I believe. Yes, yes. Yeah, I think we're talking about the exact same moment, except for me, it was when she actually came out and you saw like the, the image behind her in the in the sky. But yeah, we, we like it from different perspectives, which is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Through the different windows, one side of the window or the other. <laughs> uh, another one of my the top moments, my favorite moments, is also one of Anthony's favorite moments. When Elliot speaks for the first time, everybody rejoices. Everybody like changes their opinion about Elliot. And that was a big moment um, for everybody. Did you change your opinion of Elliot in that moment? I did. Um, I, me and Nate always made fun of how creepy he was. We called him Zombie Boy. <laughs> but as soon as he started talking, he had a little cute British voice. I immediately, like, you know, he enamored me immediately. <laughs> so I didn't call him Zombie Boy after that moment. From that moment on, but what did you call him after that before you knew Elliot. he was Elliot? Oh, but we didn't um, know he was Elliot yet. Oh, I, th I guess I... I guess I honored the name Zombie Boy. You probably kept going with Zombie Boy, I'm sure. I probably <laughs> did. But I mean, I liked him a lot more once he started talking and, you know, making things happen and guiding the beetle around. And mm -hmm. yeah. They had to set they had to set him up as being an ambiguous character at the beginning. You didn't yeah. know what was going on. So that he became more expressive as time went on. When he speaks is definitely a big part. But, you know, before then he's making the, you know, he has the creepy shadows under his eyes but yeah <laughs> anthony was so anti anti elliot anti the boy like that was he was so upset about that so was nate mm -hmm. 
I think my other big standout moment would just be when they go through the whirlpool again. I like a good visual. Obviously I like a good visual sequence and seeing them go through that whirlpool and come out on the other side with Ling Yi on the, on the deck of the ship was just a beautifully filmed scene. Anyway, you slice it. Um, and it, it it did strike me that at the beginning of the show, the very first scene when she's doing the poem, we go through a whirlpool. Yep. Um, and I'm sure you noticed that too. But it's like, yep. oh wow, they gave that gave that, but we had no idea what that what that was <laughs> talking about. So that was a really cool moment. I didn't write that down as one of my favorites, but it must be because. Like at, at work in my office, I have like, you know, the two big, you know, dual screen computers. And that's my screensaver is that image of Ling Yi, one of my least favorite characters, but it's one of my favorite moments um, going through that whirlpool and you see in that light up there. I love that image. And I chose that one to be what I stare at all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have one more. So go ahead with your next one. Uh, well, I'm going to blast past one because Ada's death, we've already talked about it, but I think that was a very key moment. It was an episode ender. Um, Ike meeting Mara, episode one, they put so much weight into that scene that, you know, it was bound to mean something and watching it again, having Ike's face like become clear out of the fog and, uh, it, you know, just means so much. And I think that was a strong moment. For anybody who was going to be into the show, if you got to that scene and it didn't do anything for you, then the show's not for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, my next one was actually the the Ada, but it wasn't just Ada. It was the whole thing leading up to that with the initiating shutdown music. You have uh, Angel and Ramiro. That's when they get down <laughs> together. And um, then you also have Ada walking through and following the beetle. Right. It's very intriguing. I believe the sun is setting right then. And Daniel just appears like this looming figure over her. And we're like, Frodo Baggins, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And the beetle, when when, uh, she sees the beetle, it's on the carpet as well. So I don't know. It's just a very well-filmed sequence from start to finish yeah right on um elliot being resurrected in the cabinet was a huge moment um not expecting that his death was a huge moment and the resurrection was a huge moment so i think that's pretty telling mm-hmm. um i think the last one i have written down out of all these is um daniel and elliot's first moment meeting as um not as father and son but when we see them that I thought it was a, a pretty big moment that made a bunch of questions pop through my head because we weren't we didn't know their relationship. And we saw them catch eyes a couple times, but then when they're actually exchanging dialogue in like by the grave mm. that first time, um just it just created so many questions and they just seemed like a natural pair, like they belonged together. And I like Elliot now. <laughs> Ever since he started talking, I like him. <laughs> and he was talking a lot in that scene. So, of course, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where he gains even more expression. And then the next the next scene is when Daniel begins actually 
talking to him like a father would instead of an associate or colleague. Right. Yep. <laughs> or a servant. Maybe he is how he would address servant. Did you find it? Uh, where <laughs> is it? He's just like scary Daniel versus fatherly Daniel. It's a pretty extreme, you know, change that happens. Well, I had two moments that um I should bring up that aren't like big top moments, but they made me laugh every time. I'm not alone in this. Um, I'm not alone in this one. That line from Angel when he says uh, to go have a little chat with God, ask him why he made you a sheep. That's when like I was like, Angel, you are <laughs> devious and you are bad and I like you. <laughs> I, mm -hmm. he, I just thought that line was great. And then when Ike um, busts in the room in episode three or four and he grabs poor little Elliot and he shoves him against the wall and starts screaming at him, that cracked me up so much because it was just such an inappropriate scene and not what you're expecting. The captain of the ship, the cool dude to like assault a little boy. <laughs> and it was just done in such a funny way that it always made me laugh. It's supposed to appall you, but it was funny to me. I thought you were going to say, when you said, uh, when I pops out, I thought you were going to talk about that scene when he opens the grate and sticks his head. <laughs> That's another great moment Because you comedy. liked that moment so much. <laughs> I did. It was a Looney Tunes moment. <laughs> you needed like a sound effect. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. Like... <laughs> okay. So that is, do you have any more amazing moments you want to share with the, uh, the, the viewers the listeners the starting of the ticking noise that like freaked everybody noise. out yeah the ticking noise was wild that came right after the sirens but um it was ominous and it was more dreadful than the sirens in my opinion mm -hmm. yeah the different noises i mean an air siren noise is always always frightening it just reminds you of um you know what world war ii and mm -hmm. Everybody duck, duck and cover. Yeah, under your desk, kids, <laughs> where it's safe. Um, so we're now going to shift and talk about moments that bugged us, or you're calling it, uh, you lost me moments. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that we're in agreement that the uh, the Matrix time stopping <laughs> bullet moment was just disjointed and not explored, not explained. It wasn't Elliot that did that. Elliot doesn't have to do that crap. It wasn't the pyramid. That whole like scene just completely lost me and it never came back around. And I know that it would have explored that in season two or three. I don't think they would have left us hanging like that, but that was a definite um, weirdo moment. That, that was also the moment that led us to the movie Tenant as well so we could be grateful that mo that moment was in the show but yeah. still it made me scratch my head and look around weird it it was the most i would it's the most most special effecty moment in the show and it does seem that like it comes out of nowhere and it really you never don't see anything like that the rest of the show yeah. um so that makes it seem even more odd the only thing that really bothered me about that, which we kind of talked in our in our DMs already, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway, is the fact that she plucks that bullet out of midair and doesn't burn her fingers off because mm -hmm. 
um, you know, when the thing, I, the thing I wanted to show you, which I sent you that one scene from Tenet, mm -hmm. obviously, and you know, the woman is handling that, those bullets with those neoprene gloves <laughs> or whatever those gloves are made of in, right. uh, in Tenet, because you're dealing with bullets and the, the, if even if the bullet was frozen in midair, it still had energy. It would have been hot, and uh, so that that one part bugged me, especially knowing how much care and attentiveness Bo and Yante put into the time travel, science yeah. and physics in Dark. Um, that 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 moment seemed a little sloppy when yes. it was when it was put together. But it was still an intriguing moment. So it didn't it didn't bother me. I, I wanted to talk about it and I wanted to talk about it in the context of Tenet and how they handled those things differently. Yeah. Um if you haven't seen Tenet, you may not know what we're talking about. What we may be doing a podcast or something about Tenet later on because I asked Steve to watch that movie to help to uh, understand why this scene bothered me so much. Um <laughs> But uh, well, in the case yeah. of Tenet, it's simple. They're inverted bullets. Simple, yeah. simple, simple explanation. What's mm -hmm. the explanation? 1899. They don't have one. So I'm sorry. Tenet wins. <laughs> so how about you? Did you have any moments like that that really stuck up for you? Um, I mean, it just it more bothered me that it wasn't really that. I expected to be lost because this, that's what these showrunners do. But, you know, it, it did bother me when we would have like these television screens and then we wouldn't see the television screens again for three episodes. Oh, so that okay. would sort of bother me because in a, in a normal show, like, let's say lost. Okay. I, I'm not that I don't want to say normal and be like, okay, whether she's saying if that's whether good or bad, but okay. for instance, in lost, when we see the hatch at the end of that season, the next episode goes into the hatch and, and explains <laughs> like what the hatch is. Right. And so having the TV episode, having the TV screen show up and then just completely acting like that never happened at the beginning of the next episode seemed a little like not cool. <laughs> Don't leave us hanging like that. You got to give us some, at least start the episode with the TV screens, even if you're not ready to show us where we are, um, you know, do us the yeah. honor of, of like not insulting our intellect that you put a different setting into our show. And then now you're acting like it didn't happen. I guess so. I saw it differently. Um, I kind of saw it as it wasn't resolved the next episode, but it did make me look at the next episode differently with this new suspicion in my mind that it was a simulation mm -hmm. and i think that's what the intention was and they didn't want to just you know blast it over your head i guess even though it, it would have been nice to have a, a a nice resolution that way i mean that is what you're supposed to do when you end with a cliffhanger you're supposed to start the next episode where the cliffhanger left off and <laughs> you're you're <laughs> absolutely right i can't act i honor your your opinion there um, it just didn't bother me at all because it um, it changed my way of thinking of looking at things and 
So it, it was mission accomplished for me. It made me start thinking about simulation. I think that next episode is when me and Nate started talking the simulation talk um, mm. because of those TV sets. And then we were like, you know, everybody, not just us, um, was talking about the tube screens and like how they were 60s, 70s TVs and how interesting that was. Um, yeah, if they wanted that. to prolong the mystery a little longer about what was going on, they could have thrown in the TV screens a little bit later yes, um, and true. not thrown it in at the end of episode two. And then, you know, then gone on to something else. And there was like a brand new cliffhanger. The next episode, they had the ship disappear. Yeah, um, so it was, it was a little like stopping and starting, kind of like getting a little momentum. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then... Uh, now we're back and, and pretending like <laughs> nothing else is going on. Um, so that it was, you know, I think that's part of, that's part of television though, um, which is why, and we're the opposite about this. I watch more movies. I don't often do TV shows because those kinds of things can frustrate me, especially when you're extending it. Now this is only eight episodes, but there are other shows that have, let's say right now I'm watching the last season of walking dead that has like, I think it has like 20, 20 some episodes in it. It's like, if they had done pulled that crap on that show, I'd be really ticked <laughs> off. <laughs> I had to wait like 20 episodes to find out what's going on with those TV screens. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, I put the TV reveal under the same moments too, except for, I wasn't thinking like you lost me. I was thinking more of like, that was a wow kind of like, holy cow. I kind of put it in the same category. Um, but I do have two character decisions, not necessarily show decisions, but I guess they are because the characters involve the shows. One of which we've already discussed, which is when, um, Ike makes a decision not to tell the family about Ada. That was a really weird call on Ike's part, and it didn't make any sense. Um, so that kind of left me weird. Like, why would that character choose to do that? That doesn't seem to gain anybody, doesn't gain him anything at all. Mm. And then the moment when Jerome and our, our, our lady Clements pick up Lucian to take him to the medicine. That's the most ridiculous choice I've ever seen. <laughs> Maybe in any TV show ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about that later too, but I think part of my thinking was if they were afraid that if one or both of them left, they would have to go there and come back. And, you know, yeah. but yeah, lugging someone up and down those steps, it, it really didn't make sense. Um, you're right about that. <laughs> Um, with with Ike and the and the family not telling them, I think part uh -huh. of that was they needed they needed to set up a conflict between him and Franz, where Franz was going to go against the captain's orders. Sure. And so this was our way to see, like, okay, he's now operating under his own authority, okay. and that was a cue that 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 was happening. I'll give um, it a pass then. Good call. Yeah, but, but maybe you can't, ex <laughs> you can't excuse Jerome and Clements though. I don't think you can excuse them. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. Um, all you know, you could also put the category there of Franz being like, "Hey, Oleg, go up and steer the ship." Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's another bad call, and there was no call for that one either. That that was another um, Jerome. They were all panicking at that moment, I guess. Like nobody knew what to do. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So that's all you got? Basically, yeah. I mean, I, I did write down here. I guess I'll say it since you're asking. Um, I uh, wrote down, don't fear the Reaper, because I did not like that song choice for that moment in episode four. I thought that was a, a corny choice. Um, so that one kind of made me sour. Like when that moment happened, I was really happy. I was really psyched. And then I thought of like about 20 better songs they could have put in that moment. Um, Heather and myself have been watching a show called In the Dark on Netflix. And it's a pretty good show, but they have the corniest choices for music in this show. And it really takes you out of moments when they just choose songs like Don't Fear the Reaper that you've heard a thousand times in your life and have been used in a thousand movies. And it's like, okay, it's getting used again for the exact same purpose. I see. They're talking about death. Mm -hmm. Okay, I get it. <laughs> so that was just a personal moment that I uh, that I didn't enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I think some of the some of the ending songs were seven of um, eight were great. <laughs> uh, well, I was saying some of the ending songs have been overplayed. Um, not all of them, um, but yeah, I mean, it, in the first. The first episode, you had um, White Rabbit, but at least in the theme song, it was an alternative right. version of that. Um, and then we had Watchtower, but we were expecting that because we saw Watchtower during the um, this the teaser. So mm -hmm. I was expecting Watchtower, so I gave that one a pass. <laughs> all the other all the other songs they chose were fantastic episode enders, and I can't be more happy with the choices they made, other than. Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Well, you heard it here, folks. So um, <laughs> we, when we get the redub or the uh, director's cut of the show, switch out that song for something else, will you? Yeah. Such maybe. as? In the Light by Led Zeppelin. Um, maybe <laughs> one of the crescendo <laughs> moments of um, A Day in the Life by the Beatles. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to give you an opportunity to, to fill it in right now. Since I think we're on the in, topic. The, in the in the light by Led Zeppelin is my top choice for that moment. Excellent. Drop it in the show right there. There you go. Yeah. You got editing skills, right? <laughs> um, my next topic had been notable musical cues, but you know what? I've already talked about all those already in this episode. So, yep. did you want to say anything else about the music? No, no. I mean, yeah, we've touched upon all of it. Yeah. Even the, the sound cues, the way they recorded it, all the ending songs. Mm -hmm. Killer. I mean, that's what really attracted me first off to Darkway's productions, period, is watching Dark, their intro song and all the song choices within. Um, that's what really won me over with that show was the music and the tone and the cinematography, like the, pa the color palettes. So that got me on board with 1899 before it even <laughs> before i even seen the first episode i was already on board with it it is interesting that you know ben frost had collaborated with people all over the world musicians all over the world just like with the languages we have languages from all over the world we also had music and you know same with Ludwig Göransson, who did the music for like the Black Panther, he did the music for Tenant also, but the music for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, he 
collaborated with musicians from all over the world to make that soundtrack since it was an indigenous culture in mm -hmm. South America, for instance, he would go there and learn some of the instruments and the ways that they would make music there to make that soundtrack. And so I appreciated that, that he had, and a lot of the music has like Spanish undertones or, you know, the Dutch music, like the music about, I'm sorry, Danish. Um, it has the song, that goes with their that cultural thing about needing the window to be left open mm -hmm. so that the soul can leave and so he you know he put those touches in in that it sort of captures all the cultures that we are learning about or visiting through the characters in the show so shout out for the soundtrack we love it yeah it's great any of the black panther i did not care for those movies at all but those soundtracks I listen to all the time. Those are fantastic soundtracks. I'm glad you brought that up, especially to the first Black Panther movie. That's, I mean, I listen to that soundtrack constantly and mm -hmm. do not care one lick for Black Panther <laughs> or any of his Marvel buddies. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I love that uh, composer. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I heard that um, our boy, uh, the composer Hans, Help me out here. He usually does Christopher Nolan's movies. Hans Zimmer? Yeah. He was supposed to do the music for Tenet, I understand, but he didn't do it. Um, yeah, he was he busy was doing, doing the music Dune. for James, the James Bond movie. So Okay, I thought he was doing Dune at that time. But yeah, I, I Dune read the as same well. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's exactly Dune. So he was, that's how they found Ludwig, who, you know, Ludwig did the soundtrack for The Mandalorian and got um fame for that so then i i feel like he's he was a great choice and i i'm just thrilled to bits that he's continuing to do that i mean hans zimmer is great um but i also want you know we need to make room for new people as well so i absolutely agreed yeah right on as you'd say <laughs> so steve we've come to the end of our trip yeah but it's not the end of our journey no it's only the beginning right <laughs> i think this is like is this the first full podcast that you and i have done together i think it yes, is right but just the two of us yeah we did not a short the last. we did not a the... short uh yeah 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 i imposed a short uh like 15 minute pod on you and you imposed a three-hour 1899 podcast on me in return and you're not seeing the last of steve and Lindsay. that's right we're gonna dive into the dark ways aren't we yes so steve and introvoid is what we mm. also call him he is finishing up his wheel of time rewatch with james the marshland monster and once they finish that Steve and I are going to embark upon a journey through dark. And this is very exciting because I love dark and I have done recaps of these, but I almost felt like I missed the boat on dark, not to be too punny, but I really 
felt like, okay, there's already so many great dark podcasts. Yep. And I, you know, you missed your chance to do that one. But <laughs> I think for both of us, watching how people reacted to 1899 and many people who were had not watched dark but had started with 1899 are now going to dark or people who already watched dark are going back to dark to watch That's it again right. and if this show just doesn't seem to quit people are always still discovering it to this day I will get comments on those recaps saying, I just started watching. Thank you so much for doing these recaps. And so it, uh, you know, you asked me to do this recap, uh, you know, to recap dark. And so I agreed, but Steve, why don't you say to our viewers, mm -hmm. why is it you wanted to visit dark again? Oh uh, yeah, for the exact same reason I wanted to do the the Wheel of Time podcast, um, because I enjoyed that show, and I wanted to uh, watch it with a more, uh, you know, more. I'm running out of words, Lindsay. We used we used all of all, all of our words, and I don't have any left. More detail, <laughs> more attention yeah, to detail. I, more attention to detail. I wanted to and. Another thing was, is there was no wheel. There's very few wheel of time recap podcasts out there. So I wanted to make that available. And at the same time, I wanted to keep myself in the world. It was a self-serving thing I was doing. Um, I wanted to show the show to James, but at the same time, I wanted to understand it better myself. And I wanted to look for clues that might come up in season two. I wanted to look for book Easter eggs and no better way to do that than to like, you know, watch it, take notes and do it with somebody else who also has a keen eye that can pick up things that you might miss. So the show 1899 came around. I wanted to do that. I really wanted to watch the show. I was really into it and I recognize it as a puzzle box show. So again, I wanted to do this for myself. So I would be in tune and I would watch it and pay attention and be able to offer you know, a recap for people who are like me that drive around all day and like to listen to recaps of shows they watch. Dark also is probably more than any of them, the most self-serving podcast that I want to do <laughs> because I watched all of Dark. Um, I binged it, which is something I don't normally do. I watched like one to two episodes like every night. And, you know, I finished the whole series, like within like a two week period. And I would do the thing where like, I would start an episode and then I would fall asleep and then I would not quite know what I missed. And then I just watched the next episode. And like, there was stuff that I missed. There was things that went over my head. And when we got towards the end, um, I saw the end. I know how it ends. It, everything is spoiled, but I don't really quite understand all the connections. I didn't quite understand who was who, who was connected to who, and how these things went. I figured the best way to do it is to recap it and to do it myself and to take my notes and to watch it twice. And I knew that you had done the recaps too, so it just seemed like an obvious move to to get back into that world, especially now that that, that door has been opened again, thanks to 1899. 
Um, if it wasn't for 1899, I probably would not be doing the dark podcast. So like, it's kind of like a, an A to B to C situation. Um, mm -hmm. Everything's so connected. Everything's, Everything's connected, connected. What you're trying to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a big, uh, that's a big line from the dark fandom. So you probably mm -hmm. already know that, but everybody says everything is connected. Yep. Um, so yes, thank you for pouring all that out. I totally agree. Um, it's going to be a exhausting but rewarding journey. I say exhausting just because I feel like this show does take dark, does take a lot of energy and attention to be able to really savor it. And if right. this is going to be my recap podcast show, we will definitely be savoring it. So yes. we'll, I'm thinking we'll probably do a similar format that you did where we're watching, recapping one episode a week so we can take our time with it. And I already have written recaps. I will post the link for that in the show notes so you can um, know where to find those. But we'll also be you know, when I make my posts on my website, I will also be sharing those each week. So you can have the recap and the video and the sound file together in one post, the same as I did 1899. So whatever format, your preferred format for recapping this, you'll be able to do all of this at once. But this show definitely rewards you with rewatches by doing that. And it also... I would say you keep finding new things each time. And each time you watch the show, you're watching it during a different phase of your life. And so things are probably going to hit you differently as well. True. So that is what's coming up for, for the future of the sweet child of time. And the one of my stories collaboration. I think we have it scheduled to start at the end of March. So yeah, um, I was, look, I was looking at my, yeah, I was looking at my calendar. It looks like March twentieth is when we're supposed to record. Uh, is when we're supposed to get together and record the first episode. So I'll release wow. it the same okay. week personally. <laughs> um, but if we got to push that back, we got to push it back. There's no guns involved. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Tove running at you with a gun. Um, okay, that's, just that's a, good that's to just know. A date on a calendar written in pencil is all that is. <laughs> I would like to get uh, my 1899 recaps published before I move on to dark. Um, dark is already done, but still, um, once I go to dark, I'm not going to want to go back to 1899. So, um, right. but it's coming soon is what you need to know, dear viewers. It's coming Correct. soon. And you'll be able to follow that at both of our channels. So um, is there anything else we want to say before we do our shout outs and talk about where people can find us? Nope. I'm nope. ready for that time, man. <laughs> you're ready for, uh, after we've gone almost three and a half hours, you're ready to wrap this up. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. we're going to release this as a two-parter or like, go ahead and just release the whole thing. We'll figure it'll, it out. Yeah. All right. So Steve, thank you so much for your time and attention. Why don't you tell people how they can find you and all of your great material? Thank you for saying that. Um, I guess Instagram is a great place to find me because I post my links um, in my profile description. Uh, I have an intro.void. That's my main podcast podcast feed. That's my main Instagram account. I do have a, a link tree 
and maybe Lindsay will put that Linktree link in her notes. She's nodding her head yes, because the Linktree, of course, has every single link. Basically, I do Sweet Child of Time every week. I'm starting to do a podcast called This Week in Animals, where I interview people about pets and animals. Um, you'll, you'll find that right there on the Linktree and right on my Instagram. I've got a Sweet Child of Time pod um, Instagram as well, but really that IntraVoid one is your one-stop shop for Steve Barnes. Mm -hmm. That's the best place. You're also on Twitter. Um, well, uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on TikTok. I'm on all that stuff. But really, the Instagram is is where I seem to get people talking to me most and get the most interaction. Um, mm -hmm. So I would encourage people to do that. Or yeah, you heard it. How about you, Lindsay? <laughs> Well, I'm at one of my stories, of course, the number one of my stories on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, SoundCloud, YouTube, and probably something else I'm forgetting. But Or you can get on my website at oneofmystories.com. That's the number one of my stories.com. And with that, we're going to say adieu to you dear viewers if you've hung in for this almost three and a half hour recording kudos to you but even if you tapped out after 20 minutes we still kudos appreciate you, you. <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> leave a comment leave a follow leave a review leave a kiss uh, yeah <laughs> but um we're gonna say Good night. Now, Steve always likes to say on his show that I hope you always find water and shade. So I don't want him to feel like uh, we didn't get to say that to each other. So, okay. I hope you find water and shade, Steve. I hope you find water and shade. Right behind you, there's lots of water and there's lots of clouds <laughs> for lots of shade cover. I think you're covered, Lindsay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. This is Lindsay, one of my stories, signing off. Steve, sweet shot of time. Bye-bye.